Hi, Star Wars fans. I'm Ryan Walker, and while the Navicomputer is finishing its calculations, I wanted to give you guys fair warning. Today's episode is going to be, I, I think the clinical term is spoilerific, specifically concerning chapters one and two of The Mandalorian. So if you are not caught up yet, you may want to skip ahead to the next podcast on your playlist. If you are sticking around, though, hang on tight, because we're about to make the jump to light speed. Welcome back, Star Wars friends. I don't know about you, but I am absolutely loving this wait between episodes of The Mandalorian. I have had theories bouncing around in my brain pretty much non-stop since last Friday. And I actually think I've settled in on a possible endgame for the season that will connect to events that have already happened and possibly provide a setup for a future series. First, if you have not done so already, please go back and listen to episode 10 of this podcast titled About the Mandalorian's Big Surprise. That came out about a day before Chapter 2 hit Disney+. Plus and laid out my theory for what exactly the deal is with our little green friend. Now, I did not see anything in Chapter 2 to refute my theory. Quite the contrary. In fact, I think there was actually quite a bit of evidence to suggest that Baby Yoda is, in fact, a Baby Yoda. A a clone of Baby Yoda. So, for the past few days, my neural synapses have been wrestling over how he ended up in that encampment, and where he might end up at the end of the season. Because he has to end up somewhere. There's, there's no Baby Yoda bebopping around the sequel trilogy, or in any of the canon books or comics, like, like a young Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. At, at least so far. And by the way, it, it would be pretty hilarious to see Baby Yoda dancing during a battle while Jedi Rocks plays over the action. Something has to take this bundle of joy out of play for those events. One of the darker theories I've seen is that he gets killed, but I mean, the the show's PG, and I don't think infanticide is something that they're going to bring into this particular series. No, I I think he ends up going somewhere. Somewhere far removed from what's happening in the story of The Mandalorian, and in the saga as it stands. Okay, so let's back up and tackle how he got to the camp in the first place. We know there are at least two groups that have been searching for him. There's one group that sent IG-11 on a clear mission to murder the child. That group, which we haven't seen on screen yet, doesn't exactly sound like the nicest group of guys. There's another group that hired our hero on a mission, preferably to bring the child back alive, but if he ends up dead, then that's fine too. Again, that doesn't exactly sound like the the nicest group of people there. So... If we got two groups of bad guys, then where's the group of good guys? Well, my friends, it's my theory that the Mandalorian and IG-11 killed them in Chapter 1. Or, at the very least, they killed the people who had been hired by the good guys to protect the child. If you think back to Queel's dialogue, and, and thank you, Al, from Children of the Force podcast, for your Twitter post on how to pronounce that name. He doesn't exactly have anything bad to say about them. What he says is, quote, Since these ones arrived, the territory has been an endless stream of mercenaries seeking reward and bringing destruction. Unquote. 
When the Mandalorian questions his motives for helping, he, he continues on, quote, They do not belong here. Those that live here come to seek peace. There will be no peace until they're gone. End quote. So he's not exactly saying that the Niktos at the camp are the bad guys and the ones causing the problems. The words he's using seem to be very carefully chosen to purposely not say anything negative about them. What he's saying is that their presence is attracting the individuals, the the bounty hunters and the mercenaries, who are actually disrupting the peace and causing the trouble in that area. So that says to me that, hey, maybe these are the good guys, and they're part of something larger that Queel and his neighbors just don't want happening in, in their neighborhood. Like, okay, say Nick Nolte were to move into a house a few doors down the street from you. You, you might not have anything bad to say about the actor himself. You know, he's probably a pretty nice guy, keeps his house in good shape, you know, keeps his lawn well manicured. So you have no problems with your new neighbor. You would, however, definitely have something to say about the autograph hunters and the paparazzi that are suddenly crowding your previously peaceful, anonymous neighborhood. So, it stands to reason that good guys have, at the very least, hired a band of Niktos to guard the child. Do they know what they're guarding? I mean, the, the, the child's egg crib thing is just kind of stacked with other canisters covered with blankets and tarps, like it's been in storage for a while. Maybe they don't know what's in it. Or maybe they do, and they just stash it that way every other Thursday when bounty hunters come a-calling. We don't have enough information to be able to make that call yet. So the next question is, who would have hit him there? Well, we'll come back to that. For now, let's look ahead at the possible endgame for the season. As I mentioned, Baby Yoda has to be taken out of play in some way. And since I think the grisly murder of arguably the cutest Star Wars creature since sliced porgs is out of the question, that means he has to be removed from the area where the story is happening. He has to go, maybe, far, far away from the action. Perhaps to an unknown region of space? Hmm. The Mandalorian takes place not long after the Battle of Endor, a few years later. If only we knew somebody that was on a mission to the Unknown Regions at this particular point in the timeline... Oh, wait, we do! If I'm remembering things correctly, at the end of Rebels, which which I haven't seen, but I've definitely listened to enough podcasts that have described the finale that I kind of have an idea of what happened, Thrawn and Ezra were sent hurtling through hyperspace in the general direction of the Unknown Regions. Following the fall of the Empire, so after the Battle of Endor, Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren, who, by the way, just so happens to be a Mandalorian herself, left everyone they knew behind to go off searching for Ezra. So, here, 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 here we go. So, what if, at some point on their search for Ezra, they stumbled upon this little green guy? Maybe their mission took them to Kamino, or, or to a hidden vault where the Emperor would hide away his secrets. However it happens, they find him. Ahsoka knows instantly who, or, or maybe just what he is. And, like all good Jedi do, they bring the super-powerful Force being to hide on a planet that's basically a desert until she can figure out what to actually do with him. She hires a band of Niktos, maybe she got their number from Hondo Onaka, and they guard the child until she can return. 
And they do a pretty good job of it, evidently, until our Mandalorian hero and IG-11 show up and, well, kill them all. So now Ahsoka and Sabine are going to have to go on a side mission to recover the child. Now, the Mandalorian clearly knows that there's something about this child after what he did with the space rhino. And he may be having conflicting thoughts about whether he should turn this special creature over to someone who really doesn't care if he lives or dies. Perhaps later in the season, as he's internally debating what he should do, Ahsoka catches up with him. And the fact that she's working with another Mandalorian in Sabine ultimately convinces him to hand the child over to them. Ahsoka, Sabine, and the child could then set off to continue their mission to find Ezra, perhaps in an animated series coming soon on Disney+. Plus. So the final piece of the puzzle is the payment. The Mandalorian, after all, is a bounty hunter. He's doing this job all for the best scar, presumably to craft a full suit of armor out of the precious and, I guess, rare metal. So he's not just going to hand over his quarry for free. He's going to want some kind of compensation. So what might Ahsoka and Sabine have that would be of similar value to our hero? He's a Mandalorian. Weapons are his religion. And there's one weapon unique to the Mandalorians that we haven't seen in live action yet that would definitely pick his interest. That would be the Darksaber. So, my Star Wars friends, I am proposing that the season will end with the Mandalorian surrendering Baby Yoda into the custody of Ahsoka and Sabine in exchange for information that will help him gain possession of the Darksaber. And that that will be the basis for Season 2 of The Mandalorian. If we're going to get any clues about this being true, I think that won't happen until Episode 5. Episode 5 is the next episode that's going to be directed by Dave Filoni, who is, the, as I previously mentioned, the mastermind behind Star Wars animation. Um, It's also the only episode that was written by Dave Filoni. So if he wanted to set something up for a future animation project, it would come then. Between now and then, though, we have episode 3 coming out on Friday, which means there's about 36 hours until my theory is proven to be 100% wrong. But before then, I'd love to know what you think. Where does the child end up at the end of the season? Send me an email with your thoughts at jumptolightspeedpod at gmail.com. Or reach out to me on Twitter at jump the number two lightspeed. As always, please hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcatcher you use. And if you've been enjoying what you've been hearing, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people know uh, what they're missing. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you.